You're listening to Red Nation Online. October 30th, it's Prospect 11's NEMB Sports' Aaron Nielsen. I'm Ian Clark. We're live and direct from the football factory, breathing a sigh of relief after TFC take care of business in a massive 2-1 away win over the New York Red Bulls. It was the opponent many were most concerned about, but the Reds showed their quality as the usual suspects of Josie Altidore, Jovinko, Victor Vasquez created the goals, while Chris Mavinga and Alex Bono were essential in keeping them out. We look ahead to the home fixture. The potential semifinalists in Columbus and New York and generally basket an excellent result ahead of Sunday's return leg. It's all that and more on the next 35 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Maybe just kick this podcast off with, you know, first impressions of the result. Two one, two one. Obviously, is yeah, a great score. is a great a score, score for Toronto, right? Going into our home leg yeah. of this playoff round, and not only just the the scoreline, but I mean, I thought the performance was good, especially when you when you put it in perspective who we were playing and where. Um, sure, I think that's sure. something to be considered sure. as well. Yeah. That you know, New York has been a team that's been a bogeyman for Toronto over the years and we've had some absolutely brutal results and when you look at also earlier in the season it was a 1-1 draw um, so for Toronto to come out of there 2-1 with as they noted in the post game injuries at hand and all that kind of stuff um, I think that's an outstanding result actually yeah yeah no no I would agree with that I thought that I definitely thought you know if the last podcast I was saying New York was the team I was afraid of and I thought this would be a bogey game and we could lose. We've seen games this year, the game in um, New England. You know, so a couple of times, Toronto wasn't the Toronto we saw most of the season. And that was the fear that they lose 2 nothing. So I would have been happy uh, with a nil-nil draw or a 1-1 draw. But to go ahead 2-1, there's no excuses, I think, at home now to not go through to the next round. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, am I getting ahead of ourselves? Or maybe just a short little section there. I mean, how we've been at home. I mean, I feel like... Without getting too far ahead of ourselves, I mean, this result definitely, I think, gives the team tons of confidence coming back to BMO Field on Sunday. That yeah, yeah. what we've seen at what we've seen at our home stadium is that uh, I mean, Toronto, is, except for one opponent, has been unbeatable. Yeah. Well, the two the two results that would have to happen for New York to go through is a New York dominating performance, which we haven't seen all season. Every game, at least Toronto's been at home, has been close competitive, you know, whatever. So if it's a tie or a competitive game, Toronto goes through anyway. Um, and the other one is if the game, like Montreal a year ago, that the game just turns into a scoring fest. But again, I have more confidence in Toronto in terms of that. And with this situation, well, New York would have to win a minimum 3-2 for them to go through with this, right? Yeah. And, I, and again, I don't really see that necessarily happening. Like, I don't feel that that's on the cards, right? You know, things could happen during the game, red cards or whatever, but, you know, yeah, no, I think Toronto's very comfortable. Yeah, and if we, I guess if we go into uh, this, into this game, uh, you know, obviously the, what we'd be rolling out of is, of course, the Atlanta result. Yeah. And that was the one that 
we kind of had flagged. Now I put that I put that opposition out there, but as we know, Atlanta, no more, <laughs> no more. I mean, we we shed a crocodile tear for them sure. that their season is over and, and not really don't really care to be honest with you. Yeah. And but as we we looked at that well, first to give context, how strong New York was in Chicago, which which again I thought like. New York, to me, was always the wolf in sheep clothing, right? They were always the team that should have been a lot better this season. And it's interesting because as the playoffs are playing out, these teams that had questionable seasons are the ones who are showing their strength. And, and the teams that were the hot topics, be it Chicago early in the season or Atlanta, as you said, it's a different world when it's a one-game-off playoff situation and things like that. So... So yeah, I think the playoffs is going in the direction I expect it to going. And to me, I think it retrospectively, um, you know, even though there's going to be a lot of pressure in the next round and in the final, I think this will be today's game. Will be the game that we saw that something bad could have gone, could have happened. And and since nothing bad happened today, um, I think that we're on course to, to where we're what we're aiming for and where we should be. Sure. And if we, I mean, we start off the game, I think. What everyone looked at was like, okay, we from last last game, we of course have gone to the traditional five three two or three five two, however you want to call it. Uh, and, if, and if you look at our starting lineup, it was pretty much that that key that core group that we've seen through most of the season. Yeah, and I think I think the difference is Wright Phillips is more trouble in the box, and Martinez is a more trouble on the run. So I think you need that sort of center. Um, defender grit tonight that you might have not needed against Atlanta and I think it showed today and I think not to jump ahead but I thought Mazinga was the player of the game today and, and his one-on-one control of Wright Phillips because against most teams and even against Toronto traditionally Wright Phillips could have had a couple of goals as, as we'll go when we talk about the game. Yeah, you aren't jumping ahead because I was going to touch on okay, that. Okay. I was saying, you know, maybe we'll talk about it more as the game goes on. But I, I mean, I have to, I have to highlight it again. I mean, what, the story of the season yeah. for him, from where he started in that first Atlanta game to where he is now, where it's almost like you can almost make a case. I mean, when Moore goes out and he absolutely bossed the yeah. the, the center back role yeah. and he completely took control. I mean, yeah. it's like what else can you say? And he's young. I mean, he's not. I, you can also make a case he's not his prime yet. Like he's coming up to it. So, what a player he's been for us. What a player he was last week. What a player he was tonight. Um, to be that guy that can, although really isn't that much older than Zavaleta and Haglin, but I think brings something to the table just in terms of pedigree. Yeah. Uh, and I guess overall confidence that really elevated our defense tonight. And yeah. he just was. The other interesting, the other interesting in terms of formation, where New York played a five-three-two or a five in the back themselves. Yeah, five-three-one-one. And I think that did two things in the game as the game played out. It quieted down Moro and Bertishor on the wing, right, because they were basically unheard of most of the game. But it also gave space behind their fullbacks and Altador was playing more wider. And he was very effective on that with. And as the game started, I think that was the, our, our biggest attack, was, was how Eltador was getting the ball in the width and what he was able to do with the ball. A little bit props to me, because I was doing the Eltador MVP the last part. 
Take it when you want it. There you go. go for it. He's more versatile than the t- just the target man up front, that he can do a lot more with the ball and cause more trouble than just being a guy in the six-yard box. Yeah, and if we talk about the, the first half, I mean, okay, the first goal comes only seven minutes in, and it was courtesy of uh, you know a lot of interplay between Vasquez and, and Josie, and Josie, of course, gets the ball and puts in a, a great, that you know, that's... You well, see I think them on, initially it was a shock, right? Like, like well, it's almost like he put yeah. it in that great, almost that no yeah, man's yeah, land. No man land. Does yeah. the keeper leave it and get right. burned far post, or does he come out right. for it and, then, and put yeah. himself in a bad position? You know, sometimes you see those free kicks from far out where they just curl it low, far post, and the keeper doesn't know to yeah, go yeah. with the player or no, go I with the ball. Fair. I think that's it felt, fair, it yeah. felt like that, right? And, of course, Robles comes out and puts it right on, not right on, but within into the range of Vasquez, and, you know, we're all standing and are getting out of our chairs because... He's out. He's not in, in a good position to make the save, and, yeah. and, and you got to give you. And this shows to you, Vasquez is, you know, what we've talked about all year, but Vasquez control on the ball, right? Because I think it's your instinct just to kick that, and a lot of times you'll see a ball go, uh, you know, five or ten meters over the net because the guy just tries to make contact, but Vasquez held it. Which made us a bit nervous, but then he put it in, and so. And he didn't even rifle it. You know what I mean? He yeah. just was like, took his time, and I mean, he struck it well. Yeah. But he struck it where it needed to go. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you just have to another guy that you can't say much more about through this season. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Is how professional. Well, ironically, if you look back, you know, it's funny because we were t- last week was almost a season in review. And again, I think today, the, the players who did well, the players who sort of shone for Toronto were the ones who did that today. Yeah. You know, be it Javinko, be it Altador, be it Vasquez, be it Mavinga. Um, you know, I think Bono deserves a lot of credit too. And, you know, maybe we didn't talk about him enough last time, but I think he certainly... Down the stretch. Yeah, certainly. And, and confident. Like, again, very confident keeper. And in a couple of situations today where things might have not been, you know, we could have allowed the goal. He was the guy there to make the last sort of save and stuff like that. So Yeah, and, it, and if, you know, in terms of the highlights of the first half, I mean, the overall, my overall sentiment of the first half... I would have said that it was like, hey, this is in, the, in this round of the playoffs to see an even matchup like this yeah. um, was interesting. I mean, Toronto was up one mil most of the time, but it was in New York was controlling possession at points yeah. and they were getting their chances. There was a lot of both teams trying to link up and have a lot of interplay that was getting broken up and dispossession. Um, well, which I think spoke to both teams. It's interesting because, and I think this partly it talks about the growth of MLS where neither team was perfect but you could see that there was a bit more try to be a development in play try to you know we talked earlier about the formations and systems and stuff like that uh, which gives a segue to Wright Phillips was saying how he gets more coaching with the Red Bulls now he's learned than, more than, than, he did, yeah. than he did in England and you know again i think that's the next level mlf the other thing which is true in the first half there was a lot of missed passes and a lot of still mls things but for the most part i thought these were two teams who went out with an agenda and both tried to play that system for the most part most of the game sure i think i think probably most i think people have watched this league for a long time like i would say for myself i would rather see teams attempt that yeah. And watching the diff- the center back hoof it over the top, yeah, yeah. and guys well, run sure, on to sure. it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the other key point of the first half is, of course, the penalty. Yeah. 
to New York that we had plenty of discussion about of what that foul was or what that penalty was. Yeah. And I guess you may, you, you know you can point out that of course um, uh, Chris and Jack did say that in, in that instance you know Delgado did have a chance to clear the ball. And yeah, did, well, did yeah, do a good yeah. Job there, on there was it. an issue earlier. Um, you know, credit to right Phillips for keeping his feet until he got into the penalty yeah. box. Until the penalty box. The, the funny thing to me was is is Moore actually went out down injured at that moment, and I think part of that injury was right Phillips looking for contact. So he probably hit more harder than would be natural in that position because he wanted to show the referee that I'm falling not on my own, but I'm falling because I'm bumping into an opposing player. So yeah. I think it was a bit a bit smartness on, on Wright Phillips's thing to get the penalty. Yeah. I think it was. And yeah, I think there was a bit of sloppy play there. And, you know, it's always questionable on that 18-yard box because you, you wonder why players don't try to dribble the ball in more in that situation because, you know, I don't think any player is really in control of what's going on, right? Because the ball is five, six feet below you, and, you know, and you're just trying to kick at it. And who knows? You might kick a guy's shin or you might kick the ball, right? So, yeah. And, I mean, at this point, obviously, uh, if you watch the game, you would know that New York did put the ball in the net and uh, went right down the pipe. Yeah, well, well taken. Yeah, it was well taken. Cause Cause you, he, saw, he saw how Bono was going to, or he tricked him or in terms of working the jump. and then. Yeah, it was, a, it was a clever penalty kick. And at the half, we're, up, we're at 1-1, um, which was, I think, I mean, no one was having, uh, I mean, Toronto only had, I think, one shot on goal, and that was the goal. Yeah. And I don't think Bono had too much action. It was, it, well, I guess you could maybe say it was a bit of a chess match, like going back and forth and trying to unlock each other. Uh, not in any boring kind of way, but I mean, 1-1 was probably fair for the first half, but I think Toronto obviously created their goal. Yeah. And they also had Josie's second chance to score. The, the only one thing for the first half is I thought, because Vasquez was interviewed at halftime, and he was saying that we fell back and that we let New York attack us and that if we should apply the pressure and we should have... And I think that is a lesson that Toronto... Again, you know, I don't think it's going to interfere them achieving their victory, but I think that's one of the things, and, and especially from someone from a European background who knows where, where when good teams play bad teams, good teams sort of dominate their opponent. And you almost feel that Toronto could put the other team under the cosh more and really go for it. Yeah. And, and it, it did seem like they were giving New York maybe a bit too much respect or maybe just letting the game out play out as it was supposed to. But it did give New York that opportunity, to some extent, to, to tie the game. Sure, and speaking of uh, Vasquez, if we go in the second half, the yeah. first the first highlight was the <laughs> smash nuts. Or something. Uh, but, uh, I'm trying to think of that that guy. What's, what was that product where the guy was like, I'm gonna, I want to crush your nuts. You know the one, the infomercial? Oh, yeah. You're okay. going to love my nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to crush your nuts. Hi, it's Vince with Slap Chop. You're going to be in a great mood all day because you're going to be slapping my nuts with a Slap Chop. Now, look, here's my nuts. One slap, you're going to love my nuts. Two slaps, you're going to love my nuts. Look at this. Would you add Remember that guy's little stick was, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Vasquez, although I mean it was, I mean it looked like he was grabbing his nuts. It looked like he may have injured his pelvis or his something, like that, something yeah. in his upper groin. Um, you know, he kind of gets body checked sideways, uh, and that was a that was a sort of uh, you know kind of a drawn out end of his night because he did stay on the pitch for another. Yeah, 10 I, ironically, I think it. You know, and again, it's questionable, but 
Do you think Toronto was trying to slow down the game in the second half? Because it did achieve that. And I don't know if... I would assume that Toronto would have been happy leaving with a 1-1 draw. So in some sense, I was expecting the game to kind of slow down in the second half. And that's kind of what happened. Partly because of the injury, but partly just because there was a lot of sharp passes in the midfield and not a lot of attacking. Yeah, and we should probably note that, of course, Moore went out at the half. Yeah. So I think that was that okay, was the okay, first step, fair, right? Because yeah. you have Haglund and Zavaleta with Mavinga. So yeah. I think you so would you give Haglund more more protection, more yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and I think that's I mean the, the style of play reflected that. They're like we don't want to get into a fast game with Haglund and Zavaleta yeah. as our center back options. Sure, that's, sure. I mean Moore is not exactly fast, but I think he's got the experience in terms yeah. of positioning. Uh, where those guys might not have the same. Although, it should be noticed, what was it? Oh, yeah, 61st minute. I mean, Haglin made an incredible sliding block or a sliding save on a cross in that looked like it could have been a sure goal. Just prior to that, Bono had a great 1v1, and that's maybe that's, you know, you could almost make a case that that there's obviously two stories in the second half, but the first one I would say is Bono. And Bono did have, I think, three or four key saves uh, and a couple of them were Bradley Wright Phillips, where he had to react very quickly to the plays, or even shot. I think it was Veron had a, had a really tight shot yeah, yeah. that he was in the right spot to make that block. You know, Bono played great, I think, in the second half, and has to be given some credit for the for the how yeah, this yeah, game no, played no, out. I would, I would agree with that. And if we, and uh, oh, look at this, I also have a, a corner kick. That was the one, the 60 second, 60 second minute, I believe, was the save that he made. The the corner kick that went over the top wide to the far side made a, a save on that and as the second half is playing out you know the, the two you know, we talk about Vasquez going out how's Toronto going to adjust Osorio comes in and you mentioned how you know Toronto adjusted to that formation with Altidore playing wide but I think we also saw Jovinko also being an option wide on the opposite side and that's exactly how the second goal kind of played out was that Jovinko was open on the far left side of the 18 yard box took a long cross over the top found himself isolated and you almost it's, it seems like it's like this is almost a set thing now where if Jovinko has the ball 1v1 or in around the 18 yard box he's willing to almost kind of like put his head down and just dribble until he gets fouled and I mean you're, you're kind of joking about it but I mean it's happening every game now where he gets fouled within that sort of 20 to 22 yard range to be honest with you I haven't known too many because Jovinko scored his goals against teams that are not necessarily popular in terms of you know fan groups and stuff like that so I don't know of a team that he scored one of these goals against and how upset they are with their team for allowing that free kick with Jovinko looking for that free kick or is it you know we, we talked about this previously and we'll talk about when he kicked the free kick but it's like what do you do? Do you let him beat you and go in, or do you let him take the free kick? You know, it's like, uh, you know, like it's all ironically it's the best thing probably to do against Toronto C is, is wait until he gets in the box and then tackle him for a penalty because that seems the only way you're going to lately <laughs> stop him. Right? Well, it's just it's it's very um, well. I think the, the the things we should note about the play was I mean you see New York setting up for the for the for the free kick. Yeah. And I mean New York has big players. So their wall was going to be, should have been effective in terms of height. And you see Robles setting up his setting up his wall. And then, of course, when the free kick is struck, you know, one of the players, I think that young guy peeled off. But the thing that is, again, just just 
kind of boggling, I guess, because we follow this team so closely, is you're seeing a keeper over on the far side. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we, we were almost, as it's unfolding, we were saying, well, Robles can't be, he must be just checking the post. And we should note that, I mean, like, he just struck that free kick right when the whistle blew, yeah, it seemed yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was weird because we were deceived by the camera work because the camera was giving the imp- impression that Robles was setting up his line and all of a sudden he saw the ball go in, right? And I don't know, you know, there's a lot of situations where there's a fast free kick where the guy says, can I kick it now? When the guy's not paying attention. You see some really absurd free kicks where the guy's not even... You know, looking the wrong way, and the ball goes in the net because but he asked the ref if he could take it early. In the replay, it did look like that that was Robles' position. And it's, in soccer, so many plays, like corner kicks and a whole bunch of things, the chances of convergence of those is so little, you don't even question them, right? You say, like, okay, we'll allow a goal there because the chance of this happening is one in a thousand or some ridiculous number. But, like, I've never seen, like, what do you do? Like, do you put guys back? Like, like what? You have the, a guy you know, sit on the far post. On the far post, because that would put every Toronto FC guy on side. Put but, ten but, guys, <laughs> the wall. Oh, you can do guys any of that. But if, even if you put one guy back there, it puts the whole TFC front line on side, so they could cause as much trouble as they want in the box. But even that seems to me is a better, less of a risk. Yeah. You know, your odds are better of of a scramble play in front of the net than Javinko getting a free kick right into a corner. Of- I'm dumbfounded on the scout like the the scouting of of Jovinko's free kick taking that any keeper is going to go to any far side and expect that he's not going to try to or or come close to picking now the truth is do you think if like he was to the extreme but do you think if you covered that corner Jovinko would probably kick it right into the opposite corner don't you Right, like I think my, he has the, uh, the ability. To my do my that. first instinct on that kind of goal was he was going to go to the top right corner. Yeah, you said that initially before. Right. We took so the if if I have a feeling if Robles had been in the center, he yeah. might have gone far top corner. Yeah. Um, but it, once once he blew the whistle and he saw that Robles was on the on that far corner, and it was like it wasn't even like the Atlanta goal, right, where he hit the the top left yeah. woodwork and down. No, no, it wasn't even a great. He no. just put the bend over the wall and actually yeah. ended up hitting the lower half of the net. I mean... Yeah, so I guess our scouting advice to other teams is put a guy in the line because that's your only... You need two goalies to stop him, basically. Have your keeper <laughs> take the one the one far side yeah, opposite then, of the wall and, and then, then on the side of the wall have a guy sitting at the post. Yeah. I mean, I don't... The only thing that... Because arguably, if... And again, it's all circumstantial, but that was interesting how the New York guy went back and he could have... If he was there, he might have made... Because it wasn't high, right? It yeah. was it was a mid-level ball, yeah. so he probably would have. Anyways, yeah. that's the that's the one that gets us two-one. And I would say, you know, in terms of highlights, there's only there's two another good two, two key plays, which of course was circled around Bono, making huge saves. The 87th minute, um, where, you know, we have to you got to mention Bradley Wright Phillips again. We talked about that for a second, but I mean, he just always seems to be in the right position. It seems like in the right spot at the right yeah. time. Like yeah. His, yeah. his timing and his positioning is just. Yeah. Well, we, certainly, certainly, uh, uh, Keshtan and Wright Phillips are the two main New York guys, and, and 
you know, and again, I think that that's what makes a good DP or a good player in MLS is that consistency. It's not that you can show off and be explosive one or two games. It's that every game you're a threat and every game you have the capacity to to do it. But yeah, Ray Phillips just continually impresses me in that vein, right, that yeah. he's able to, out of nowhere it seems like it, get a chance, get an opportunity. Yeah. And, and and you think, I guess, I mean, if you look at the scope of the game, I mean, I think he had about a three or four, where we were, like, panicking. That I was like, Jesus, how do you get in that opening position? And even right down to the final the final whistle, I don't think that wasn't Bradley Wright Phillips, but, I mean, uh, Bono, again, made a great diving save on a header that was on the near post. And after that, I mean... Toronto, and again, I think it's interesting because, I, you know, I'm looking forward to our opponents, our, project, our, 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 our potential opponents. And I think that's when Toronto is in the most dangerous when they allow the other team to to get chances to, to create pressure against them and, and and you know and again I think it's like that's the funny thing is, is you know I know you know you follow English football and stuff like that and if Man U or Liverpool allow one goal it's the end of the world right where if it was Bournemouth allowing that same goal it'd be like oh yeah okay they're expected to do that, right? Yeah. So, so you know, I think we're almost being not that we're being too critical of Toronto. It's that we're we have such high expectations of Toronto now that you know any sort of pressure against us seems like you know that's the threat. If we were in the sho other shoes of the other team, you know, Toronto gets those. Toronto gets the free kicks. Toronto gets the corners. Toronto gets yeah. the chances. But then we add so much more in terms of how we build up play and, and things like that. So. And if we exit this game, of course, like as we. Start Started off, I mean, two-one result is almost as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, a two-legged, two-leg fixtures, home and away, uh, to come away with a two-one win on the road. I mean, that's just yeah. My, my feeling before the game was, even if we had lost, if Toronto was able to get two goals in the game, then I was uberly confident going into the next game. Well, right? I mean, that was but, like Montreal last year, right? It was three-two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and but I just thought I just thought because then that would mean that Toronto would be putting pressure on the next game, and it would mean that the other team would have to match us one on one. And I again, I don't think that can that can happen in Toronto. So, yeah. so yeah, no, I think it's you know. Now let's I mean let's uh, look at this next game. Hopefully, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it subjectively or objectively? Anyways, it doesn't matter. With, with an well, opening. I think I think it's I think going into the next game is interesting. Number one, how healthy Vasquez is. Yes, right? and because, more because I think that changes the game, right? Because I don't think I think if Vasquez is not in the game, do you put a defensive front on, right? And then put your guys, put your rickets, put your Raheem Edwards in the second half when you really want to put the pressure on the team, right? You know, I think if it's if Vasquez is healthy and Moore is healthy, I think you just go out there, right? Yeah. And and you don't really feel threatened, and you just play the game as is. And you know this is the sort of the road to three rounds to get back to Toronto for the final, right? Yeah. And so. if we're, and, and and not in any regard looking ahead, but getting your thoughts on the other set of the other set of matches in the Eastern Conference, which is of course New York against Columbus. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? And if Toronto gets by New York, what might be looking I'm probably higher on New York's FC. Like, I give them benefit of the doubt than probably most people do. Because I know in the last podcast, I was very high on Columbus. Well, I thought New York and Columbus would win. 
but that was more to my concerns with Chicago and uh, Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta than it was to say, oh, Columbus and New York are the best two teams in, the, in this conference. New York's tricky. The, the interesting thing is, is I think Toronto plays very well on the New York's Yankee Stadium because yeah. of the size of the pitch, and we like that sort of open game where you know everything goes. And and plus, New York has never shown us in Toronto that they're willing to compete with us at an equal level. So, you know, I would rather play New York because of our history there, but I, I think New York can get by Columbus. Like, I, I know that because of the Columbus, save Columbus, that the game in Columbus will be a high, biotoil, you know, hype game and stuff like that. But I think, I think New York can hold on that, if not win that, and I think they could, I think you'll have two, a heavyweight matchup for the final. I think I think New York, I think both the city and, and Toronto are going to get by the next round fairly easily. And, you know, they might have a few cuts to clean up and stuff like that, but I think they're basically playing to play each other. And I think that, and then ironically is, is I think, just because how they deal with adversity, I think Seattle is my favorite in the West. So I think it could be a very much a repeat of, you know, what to expect, but yeah. also a repeat of what you know, we're going to get, and, and with Seattle, Seattle's going through a lot of injuries right now, and a lot of, you know, stupid red cards and stuff like that, but there's still a team that kind of fears me um, out west, and so, and so, you know, it's playoffs and anything can happen, but at the same time, I think I can overfoot my mouth right here, <laughs> but again, I almost feel that MLS has reached a level where the good teams are now separating themselves from the bad teams. So this idea that every game is 50-50 and every team has a chance, I think that's, you're sort of seeing that. And, and I think today's, you know, to bring it back to today's game, I thought New York had to play a perfect game to beat Toronto. Yeah. And I thought Toronto just had to beat Toronto. To, like, I don't think this was Toronto's best game by far. I don't yeah. even think it was an exciting game by far, right? But they were Toronto and they, they, they came, and same with the Atlanta game, right? Yeah. That, that, that's what the Atlanta game was. But I've seen games earlier this year where Toronto's played, where they've wowed you. And yeah. I, I think I don't think we've seen that yet. Not for a while. Not for a yeah. And maybe that's the one concern. But, yeah. but again, I, you know. Well, I would, say, I would say two things is that, you know, coming to this game, it kind of felt a little bit almost like last year when we first got in the playoffs. Where yeah. We are like, there is the opportunity for us to lay an egg. But there was really nothing... There's no reason for it to have happened. Like if they sure, went yeah. out, like you said, if as long as Toronto doesn't beat themselves, yeah. and that opposition doesn't play, like you said, the perfect game, yeah. then we should go out and get the job done. I think today was that. Now the other interesting thing is is in the Atlanta game and today's game were Vanny substitutions, and he never allowed the game to open up. Where in the games, especially earlier games where we beat San Jose five nothing, you know, guys like Raheem Edwards, guys like Ricketts, who we've been trying to get on more than anybody yeah. but that's you know the the intention was to let's put these guys under the you know let's score goals let's let's take care of these guys and it seems to me that recently it's been more not even defensive substitutions but guys he feels are you know it's hard saying because you mentioned cooper but guys he thinks are more more veteran more more sure, experience, experience more you know something like that yeah. so and you would expect Cooper to be a guy who holds up the ball and tries to waste Call time. Call cynical foul or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe that's one reason why we saw Cooper. As I knew, if like, oh, you mean cause the other team to cause cynical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be cynically fouled. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. And I guess if we exit, I mean, the only last couple of notes I had 
a little sights and sounds there at the start of the at the start of the uh, telecast was this vi- long drawn out oh, oh. <laughs> video. I I mean, I've said it before. It does always whenever like the TFC marketing really does like the supporter angle thing. Kind of like well, I almost think I almost think <coughs> roll my eyes. I almost think it's two way because I almost think uh, like I, I I'll criticize TSN a lot of times for trying too hard. I think what they're thinking is they're getting a 10% of the people watching this are not soccer fans. Like, there's enough press. Like, I, I, I was watching, like, uh, it was funny because I got to see the guys face-to-face or closer face-to-face. But I was watching, just, you know, happened to be watching Sports Center, And they had interviews with the players and they're hyping this game up as a playoff game. So I think it's part that. But all of that is overkill, right? Like, I think the reason sports is exciting and you get into sports is it's that natural pickup. It's not this thing where it's force-fed to you and sure. it's like, you got to like this, this is the greatest shit. You know, that's... They use a drum. That's so cool. Oh, yeah, they bang yeah, this yeah, drum yeah, yeah. and they clap yeah. along to it. I got to check and, this and, out. And the reality is, is I have in my life from, you know, family members to random people got them interested in the game of the soccer. And what got them excited about the game of soccer, even the pre-hype, was a 30-second, a minute clip, right? Having a five-minute clip or a documentary or a sad story or something like that, that's not what gathers hype, right? Hype is, you know, unfortunately, because we had uh, yesterday with the Vancouver-Seattle game, which was a complete put yourself to sleep, right? But that's what makes soccer exciting is that at any point in the game, something crazy and game-changing can happen, right? And and that's, I think, the sell point that you need to give sort of naive audience, quote, quote. And, yeah, I, I think those things just, like... So if you want to talk about naive audience, I wonder how many people noticed in the final, the final like, uh, cut of that clip had Joe Bendick. <laughs> Joe but the Bendick other one, the other one is when they're showing faces of the fans. If they make that thing long enough, they can catch every single person in the stadium. Is that like, it's like, hey, look, I, I was on TV. Is it one of those things? Yeah, we were, I was waiting for a second for one of us to pop up there. I was like, geez, did we do this without even knowing it? Uh, it was a bit much. And then, of course, yeah, like I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help but get a laugh to see Joe Bendix standing in the foreground. So long. Yeah, I guess my sight and sound, and, and it's almost becoming expected with Toronto FC, is there seems to be a decent away crowd from Toronto in the stadium. Yeah. And based on when you looked at the stadium, when it's... Now, I've, to give this them a bit, to give New York a bit of credit, it seemed like a late arriving fan. It seemed like there's more people in the stadium in the second half than right at the beginning of the game. But to have a section of the stadium, basically all these TFC guys... Uh, or TFC fans, and you're also assuming that most of the cameras in house are New York cameras, they're not Toronto cameras, right? Yeah, right? So you're only getting, you know, bits and pieces of that. If you think of, at least in the Eastern Conference, if you think of our potential opponents, a game in Columbus with Toronto, yeah. a game back in New York with Toronto, when yeah. New York City FC don't really care. Like, I could see us having, you know, multiple thousand people in both of those stadiums yeah. for the upcoming games, which, which again, I think displays, you know, to the Atlanta comment last week, displays the real growth of the game and real soccer, football culture than, than getting 80, you know, 50,000 people don't know what's going on out to a, out to a game. But Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah, I just think that they deserve, you know, certainly that they always deserve credit for going to it, but it just shows it to you because... You know, I've seen, you know, minutes of every playoff game this, this year. And Seattle had a bit of people out for the Vancouver game. But for the most part, it's just been kind of, like, it's not, you know, it, it, playoffs are not the eye-grabbing. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, that's, that's I, like we were saying before, I was like, I noticed on Twitter that people were just kind of saying, like, hey, where's everyone at these games? And you're just kind of like, where have you, have you not been watching MLS playoffs for the last 10 years? I mean, it's just these opening rounds just, for some markets, just don't draw until you get to either the final or the semifinal game, right? So, you know, that's it. I'm looking for, you know, as long as everything stays intact for this Toronto game, when we look ahead to the next round, you know, I think both opponents offer great away support opportunities. I mean, Columbus, I think, obviously is the bigger one because yeah. the, the way their stadium's set up, I mean, Toronto ends up ending that whole one curva, oh, okay, curva yeah. section, which yeah. is about 3,000 strong. Um, yeah. that and we're actually watching, well, we got the Portland-Houston game in the background for, you know, in terms of want, even though I have some rooting interest in Houston, a Portland-Toronto final, I think, would be the most sincere final yeah. for MLS, right? And I think that would be the best poster child for MLS because, again, I think only those two fan bases would get a sellout for, you know, you call you say there's a game tomorrow, they would sell out those games. Yeah, and I can remember Portland coming to Toronto, I think, I don't remember it was last year or the year before, um, and there were supporters there, and it was like, I, I said this last year, I mean, I, fa- I found the Seattle supporters a bit obnoxious. <laughs> I just thought it felt very, yeah. um, it just felt very, very rehearsed and forced and not... Whereas I did, I do remember thinking that Portland. I mean, their their songs were all super original. I think, I think any state, any team that does that two name back and forth doesn't deserve any credit as a fan. But <laughs> right? like, first of all, you never hear it anywhere else, and then second of all, it's just the most it's simple, basic. It's yeah, like, are you two years old? These are your first words. <laughs> Fuck me. I mean, on the flip side, on the flip right? side, we do go TFC. Yeah. Oh TFC. no, no, but at least that's one mutual thing. Yeah. But, no, I think the idea is, from is when you have Wembley Stadium, you have an FA Cup. You have both teams on either side, right? So you have a shouting match between both opposing fans yes. to get superiority, right? But here, they're shouting back and forth for the same team. Yeah. <laughs> it makes them, you know, like that. I've always hated that, so yeah. glad, I'm glad I was able to vent on that. But <laughs> Perfect. All right, so uh, on, on a weeknight air, and I think we'll leave it at that, sure, uh, right. as we get ready for the, the second leg of this, of this playoff round. You, know, you, guys, you got your warm coat. You're gonna have to get it warmed up. The next podcast will be in my stretching room in my in my condo or something crazy like that. Everyone knows they can get you uh, same thing as last podcast at EMB Sports or Prospect Eleven. Uh, you got some League One Ontario stuff coming up. You did some, and there's one more. This could probably by the time this podcast is out, you come to Red Nation Online, you'll see. Aaron's top 10 players from the 2017 League One Ontario season. I think that's an interesting read. And if anyone's interested, of course, in the Canadian Premier League as well, check that out and check out some of the previous articles. Um, everyone knows you can get me at Clark RNO info or, or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Uh, send us an email, your thoughts, whatever, anything we said here. Like, as we always have said, always have said, reach out to us, send us an email, give us your thoughts. But otherwise, uh, uh, Steve and I will be there for the playoff game on Sunday. Next podcast will be out early next week. And hopefully we just keep on trucking through these playoffs and we'll be looking to the next road game, hopefully the week after. So, Aaron, thanks again for meeting me. Everyone out there, thanks a lot for listening. And we'll catch you next time. you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at red nation online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter also check out our other podcasts on red nation online from the black hole ours is the fury in our interview series 
Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.